1: you're wearing a black suit jacket and a black and white smart dress and we're sitting in Linklater's office which is very bright and slick on a cold blustery day
2: what would you be wearing a few years ago jeans definitely jeans and some sort of a top the hoodie or something probably and on a cold blustery day I probably would have found myself at some point standing on a football pitch which are always the coldest places in the world.
1: Three years ago, Colette Altaparmakova was a stay-at-home mum looking after four children. Today, she's making her way in a new and altogether different job, law. This is the Career Changers podcast from the Financial Times, and I'm Emma Jacobs.
2: My eldest my daughter was born when I was 25 and I was at the end of my PhD. And I wrote up my thesis in the April before my son was born. So the end of my student time was perhaps not the same as many other people's. And yes, I can remember having to ask for a breastfeeding break in the middle of my um of my PhD, which I don't think happens very often. I never expected to meet the person that I wanted to have a family with when I was still a student, when I was that young. But life happens, and becoming a mother at that stage in my time as a student or in my early career possibly set me up for knowing that I could become a trainee... (laughs) at the age I am now.
1: This week's podcast will explore the ins and outs of returning to work after having children. We'll get some insider advice for wannabe lawyers from Linklater's recruiter, Gillian Dent. And we'll also be speaking to executive coach, Geraldine Gallagher, about how to prepare for a big career move. But first... Let's get back to Colette and find out how and why she decided to realise her big professional plans after years of being a stay-at-home mum. What was the change that made you start thinking about having a career outside the home?
2: So my husband works from home. He works for a company in, in Helsinki in Finland, but he is physically based at home. And that makes everything more possible. With older children part of their needs is to have someone at home and available they don't need the same minute by minute attention that small children do and that was part of, of what made me realize that I could make change and um, I had an uncle who died quite suddenly and I think that focused my mind that actually time is limited and if I wanted to achieve things in life, I needed to actually make that happen because you never know what's going to be around the corner. And I never thought I wouldn't have a career. You know, I didn't grow up thinking I would be at home. And that was still important to me. And I tried to make it happen.
1: And how did you go about researching possible charisma? Because the world's your oyster at that point. You could have done anything. You could have retrained to be a doctor, you know, an artist, anything's possible, really.
2: Well, um, for me, I think my artistic skills are such that probably not an artist. But um, yes, I went back to the career service. I read um, a number of books. There's a, a wonderful book called What Colour Is Your Parachute? And it encourages you to look at all your skills, all the things you find interesting, to actually think about what you can do, where you would like to work, the type of environment, the type of other people you'd like to work with. So I I went through that process because as you say the world really was my oyster and it narrowed down. Doing law, it started off as a very small idea. We were at a stage in our life where we'd moved house, we'd done wills, we'd, we'd been around lawyers and I have friends who are solicitors. Then going back to the career service and attending some of the things they recommended and further reading, it just narrowed down until I was really sure that this is what I wanted to be doing.
1: And I, I mean, because you haven't been in a workplace, what did you know were your skills? How did you know that, say, attention to detail was something that you'd be good at?
2: So I do have a PhD, molecular biology PhD. Um, Your experiments don't work if you haven't got the attention to detail. I've done a lot of writing. I won quite a big essay prize when I was doing my PhD, so I felt very confident with my written communication. And having done a lot of teaching, I enjoy verbal communication skills. And... I enjoy problem solving. In research, you are solving problems, um, looking at what other people have done, building on their ideas, finding a question, working out how you're going to solve that question. That's a very transferable mental process. And bringing it back to the career service again, the types of skills that we were encouraged to to look at the workshops i went to and the tasks in those workshops really did reinforce that my skills fitted what i what i was going to be doing and so once you decide to be a lawyer how do you become one Ooh, good question um well in my case i went to the career service and very fortunately in cambridge a number of the the firms in the city come up to the cambridge career service and run workshops and give presentations And I went to as many of them as I could go to. I asked every lawyer I knew questions. I was incredibly fortunate that they gave up their time. And anyone who would let me do any sort of work experience with them, I went and did it. I applied for open days. Vacation schemes don't really work as a stay-at-home mother because that's the busy time of year. But I went to the Slaughter May Winter Workshop. And really enjoyed that. And I applied for training contracts. And I was very fortunate that I was offered one here at Linklaters.
1: And so when did you get accepted onto the trainee scheme at Linklaters?
2: So I had my interview at Linklaters in the beginning of February 2016. And the interview, say interview, it's an assessment day. So it's a, a full day with two interviews, there's a verbal reasoning test, which actually you have to take one a few weeks in advance as part of the application process, and then you take another one when you're here. And there's another test that you have to do um, with various sort of computer-based skills and replying to emails and responding to things, making decisions over things. So it's an intense day, and that was in January 2016, and I had my offer two days later.
1: When you were in the interviews, did you feel that you were a novelty? I mean, you're older than your peers, aren't you?
2: Yeah, I think I'm significantly older than most people who are interviewed. Having said that, everybody's a novelty. Sort of if I think about the people who are here, the languages they speak, the nationalities they come from, the different degrees they have, some have worked elsewhere and then have had a career change. Some have travelled. We're not a very homogenous bunch. I think I was always aware that I would be a novelty, but I think it's very easy to think that there's a one-size-fits-all, and certainly at a firm like this, that's not the case. There's a wonderful diversity of people, and I was never made to feel like a novelty.
1: And if I was going to do the same transition from be a stay-at-home mum to a city lawyer, what would you advise?
2: Wow. Um, I think believe that it's possible. I think if I'd stopped to think too hard, I might never have done it. The fact that I really did just believe that if someone said, now you really should be going to this... I applied for it and I went there. I didn't sort of try and second-guess, well, maybe I wouldn't be able to and I wonder what they'll think of my application form. I was very well advised. I was very lucky to have access to the career service and that they were very supportive. But I think really it's just leave, that if someone says something's possible, then it is. And if, if you find that there's a route... You just need to take those steps rather than you don't need to reach the end point without going along the pathway. When you were
1: at law school, did you feel... I mean, law school's not the same as university, so people aren't going out every night drinking, or if they ever do. But still, there's a difference in terms of social life. Did you feel left out? Did you feel that you made friends on the course?
2: I have... Some wonderful friends from the course. I'm really lucky and I never felt left out. And that was something I was worried about. That was quite a big worry in starting the LPC with just the other Link Latest future trainees was would I stick out like a sore thumb? And I felt very, very welcome. I didn't always have the same evening activities as others do. But everybody has their own things, their own interests that they go back to and I certainly did not feel left out which I'm very grateful for.
1: And how have your family reacted? I mean it's a big difference to being at home after school, being able to attend all the nativity plays and you've had to study quite hard during the holidays so you've been less available. How's everyone else adapted?
2: Well, they've been brilliant, they've been absolutely brilliant. They actually went on holiday without me last summer because I had to stay at home and study. And they all went off camping in Holland. I found that very tough. But also, they had a fantastic time. And it's very nice, actually, to see how strong we are and that it works with different groupings and with different parents taking the lead. Um, I think my children have sometimes wished I was there. I don't think it's made any material difference to them and I don't think they've been unhappy... I think we all sometimes wish our parents were different or doing something different to, to what they are. I think their outlook has also changed. I think I've seen my daughter's outlook has changed in terms of what she can do, the possibilities that are open to her, and the fact that although in life you always make choices, you don't have to make permanent choices, and that's been really nice to see. And actually, I think in some ways they've all grown in confidence. I think when you're a stay-at-home parent, sometimes, and I probably fell into the trap of solving too many problems for them, and actually they've realised that they can do more than you know, they thought they could, and that's great, and I think it's been very positive, and I, I would hope they'd agree with me. What's been the hardest
1: aspect of making this change?
2: I think the hardest part is probably letting go of things. I'm incredibly lucky to be here. But there are things at home that always used to be done my way and now they can't be done my way. And so making sure I'm not micromanaging from a distance is something I found quite difficult. But I, hopefully I'm getting there. But otherwise it's been such a positive experience. It's very difficult actually to sort of find negatives. How do you think you've changed? I think I'm both more confident and more humble and inside I feel more like the person I did in my early 20s which is very exciting really I hope I haven't changed too much I hope I've just you know using the fullness of my skills and my personality rather than just part of it
1: what have you learnt from doing it this way around, from going from being a stay at home mother to becoming a corporate lawyer?
2: Um, I think I've learnt how lucky I am. Both career wise, that I've never had to give up being at work or make decisions around the time I've been at work, because I'm lucky enough to start at the bottom and also with my family. I leave every morning at half past six. I regularly haven't been home before 11 o'clock and not seen my children. And yet, on the weekends, we're still the same family. We still enjoy each other's company some, as much. And, you know, we're still, we're still good. And that's great to know about the family unit and about us. So some
1: unexpected bonuses for the whole family, as Colette takes on a challenging and rewarding career. Now let's hear from someone who prepares people like Colette to take on a new career. Geraldine Gallagher, an executive coach. So Geraldine, Colette's making a huge transition from motherhood to a new career. I wondered how typical that is among the clients that you see.
3: I would say that's quite new actually and quite exciting to hear about someone It's actually retrained and starting off at the same time as the graduates. As you know, we mainly deal with returners that are perhaps going back into an industry that they left 10, 15 years ago. But I haven't heard of that happening very often at all, but very exciting. And so
1: what are the challenges for returners going into the workplace?
3: Well, interestingly, the challenges that they think they have in advance of going into the workplace, don't always match the challenges that they then actually do have when they return. So the two things, for example, that we find that returners worry about most are, will there be flexibility, flexible working, and will I be able to get up to speed technically quickly enough? And in fact, when they get back to work, they find that especially people that have been out, like Colette has been out of work for 14, 15 years, I think you said. Yeah. And what we find actually is the workplace has changed, even though I think the workplace is slowly, slowly moving towards flexible and remote working. In actual fact, when you've been away for 10 to 15 years, it feels like quite a dramatic change. Yeah. And so many of our returners have been quite surprised by how even in law firms and some of the investment banks' areas that you wouldn't typically mm. think that would be very flexible. In fact, there is quite a lot of flexibility. So that's a good thing. I do think it's a bit tougher for lawyers coming back in. In Colette's case, she's not coming back in, so she's just getting up to speed with it all anyway. But we do find lawyers worry quite a bit about how much the law has moved on and also the tech piece. If you've been quite junior when you left the workforce first time round and then you come back in quite a junior role, that digital immigrant versus digital native issue comes to the fore. And you do find it a lot tougher than if you were at more senior level. But the thing that they do find more difficult than they anticipated is actually more psychological. In fact, before they do embark on a career back in the workforce, we try and persuade them to have more dialogues with the dependents about what it's going to entail. Because what you can't do is you can't have four children, run and be the go-to person for all of them and then go back to work and just add in a job on top of that just because they're now in secondary school. In our experience, that's not going to work. You really need to carve out with your children and indeed your partner how things are going to change on the home front to allow you to succeed in the work front.
1: Oh, interesting. Actually, that's one of the things that Colette had said that she's had to let go of and and just prepare that somebody does something in a different way and it's not the way that you've been doing it for the last 14 years.
3: That's exactly right. If you've got your house running like a drill camp (laughs) and everything's organised and everything runs like that, actually the bigger challenge is that that's no longer going to be the case, rather than actually that the job is going to be terribly difficult. They do find themselves getting back up to speed in the job and with that maturity they've got, they handle all the daily challenges that I come across as a coach are usually about interpersonal skills. It's usually about power struggles and the challenges tend to come along the lines of who has the power and how do you get the influence to get things done. So that tends to be where... I focus most of my executive coaching. And so not surprisingly, having 12, 15 more years of experience of life is going to be very advantageous.
1: If you're contemplating a return to work after being a stay-at-home mum, how do you explain the CV gaps to an employer?
3: Well, the good thing is that it's beginning to be less of an issue because of these returnship programmes. I noticed a new one today from Shell. I mean, every organisation that we work with is starting to look at these programmes. And of course, the big issue is that we explain to uh, returners that, you know, that CD gap isn't something that they should try and hide, but indeed be very upfront about it.
1: And just to e- explain, what do you mean by returnship programmes?
3: Well, returnship programmes, it's a bit like a version of being an intern. It's an opportunity to come in and work for about three months where you, as the returner, get a chance to try out the organisation and the organisation gets a chance to try you out. And then at the end of it, if it's a happy fit, then they will give you a full-time job. Now, those programmes themselves have evolved and now many of these returner programmes that are advertised by organisations and by the civil service, for example, they are actually now talking about almost like a direct entry. You don't need to do the actual returnship. You just come on board and get some coaching and get some orientation from those organisations, and then you get the opportunity to apply for jobs.
1: Do you think there's any advantage to doing junior jobs late in life, to being kind of out of step with the 23 and 24 year olds?
3: Well, they've got much more sophisticated emotional intelligence skills, interpersonal skills, negotiating, just navigating the people issues the people that have had experience of being parents in particular have really learned a lot along the way that makes them actually more successful than some of their junior counterparts in fact i've just come off the phone to a 26 year old out in chicago and you know she's struggling with such basic delegation time management issues those kind of things that someone who's run a family quite honestly is going to be so experienced at and more assertive as well i think that's another issue
1: Oh, well, thank you very much, Geraldine. Thank you. Emma. Some encouraging words and sage guidance for anybody looking to kickstart their career later on in life from Geraldine Gallagher. But now, for those like Colette who have their sights set on a career in law, what does the recruitment process look like and how should candidates prepare?
0: Recruiter Gillian Dentz told me what she looks for in future Linklaters trainees. We look for a lot of Things. The bar to getting into the legal profession, I think, is is quite high and quite difficult. Um, we are looking for people who are well rounded, first of all. So they not just book smart. It's not just all about the academics, but it's about what else they have on offer, what kind of work experience they've um, had, what kind of extracurriculars they've been involved in, and also that drive, that real motivation to become a commercial lawyer specifically, and that insight into what commercial law actually is, that they know at the end of the day, the center is the client, and that they need to think with a commercial mindset. And I think that's probably one of the most important things when recruiting for a commercial lawyer. That makes me think that you're seeing people that
1: don't get commercial law. <laughs>
0: what are the kind of mistakes that people make? You're right. Yes. <laughs> Some of the mistakes people make are really just thinking about the process rather than the reasons behind the process, not being able to succinctly discuss legal issues in a client-friendly way, Um, and just coming at it from a more academic standpoint. It's the candidates who have understood and can make that switch from studying law to practicing law that tend to do well. And how can you tell whether they're going to make a good lawyer? That's a very difficult question. (laughs) Um, We recruit two years in advance, so sometimes it is a very difficult thing to be able to to tell. And especially then they go through a two-year training contract as well, and they don't actually get qualified to become a lawyer until about four years after we've initially seen them, which is quite daunting when you think about it. A lot of the written work that they do will give us an insight, what they're interested in, if they have that business sense, If when they talk about business issues, you can see that twinkle in their eye, if if you will. A lot of it is also their ability to really understand that law is a business and that that is the focus at the end of the day. And although they might not have the words or the terms to describe everything, the way that they can logically think through a problem and come to a solution is usually what will make us sit up and think that this person is someone who we want to see and, and want to recruit.
1: So you do graduate recruitment. How many of them are fresh out of university compared to other, you know, conversions from other jobs or, I mean, how unusual is Collect?
0: The majority of the candidates will be your typical student who is at university in their penultimate year, either studying law or non-law. Mature candidates, career changers, they are a small portion of the people that we see here at Linklaters. But they are some of the stronger candidates that we see come through. And so we are always encouraged when we see applications from mature students or people who have had experience outside of law. And I guess that's one of the things that we always try to emphasize in our literature and when we're out on campus or just in in any any space where people might hear be thinking about law is that the door is open and that we value other experience and that that can sometimes be used to someone's advantage when they're coming through the recruitment process.
1: And what kind of backgrounds do they come from?
0: All sorts. As you can imagine, being in commercial law, most of them will have some sort of banking or consultancy aspect to their work experience because they've then had an insight into or they've had experience with a legal team and that's intrigued them and they've decided, oh, I might want to try and do that. It is probably more rare for them to come from uh, non-commercial backgrounds, but equally if if they've got a solid reason and they've thought about it and they know it's what they want and they can articulate that in an application or in an interview – then so be it. How unusual is Colette coming (laughs) from a stay-at-home mum background? I mean, she'd been doing it for
1: uh, 10 years.
0: I think Colette's very unusual and to be honest, I can't think in, in looking back at those who I've recruited over the years, if I've ever had anyone sort of come from sort of a stay-at-home background to then jumping into a commercial career, but she's got a lot going for her and there was a lot in her background that certainly lends itself to exactly what she's doing now and I think the approach that she took in order to come back into a career to approach, I know she spoke to the career service at at Cambridge um, and really sort of spent a good year Getting to know the legal firms, getting to know people personally, and I think that she she did that very well, and that that's what we like to see if someone's coming back into it. That they've taken the initiative, that they've really thought about it, and that they have very clear reasons as to you know their progression throughout and and where they want to go. If I was going to switch career to law, how would you
1: suggest I go about you know swatting up for the whole recruitment procedure?
0: I would definitely say you need to start doing your research into the legal profession and just more about what the London legal market is like, who our competitors are, what makes different firms stand out from each other. Um, Those kinds of things are really important and show your commitment to the commercial world and to Linklater specifically. And in the interview setting, it's not about how much you know about the law. It's about how you logic and reason your way through a problem. And I think, we're talking about Colette here and um, sometimes more mature candidates and people who have had other experience are able to, logic and reason their way through problems more succinctly, more confidently, and really can showcase that they can take a a problem and bring it down through the solution without a whole lot of prompting and without a lot of direction, because they've been in that place before. They know how to look at something, break it down into parts and come up with a logical solution for a client that is commercially focused.
1: I mean, do you anticipate there being more career changes? I mean, as people live and work longer, and that I mean, has it, have you had to change your marketing material mm. and the way that you recruit people?
0: I think what we are seeing definitely is that people aren't staying in one place for the rest of their lives like we used to. And so as a business, we are needing to start thinking about career changers and also people who might come here and train and stay a couple of years and then go off and do something else. So I think it works both ways. Um, So it's it's certainly something that we're thinking about. It's certainly something that we're looking at. And we're trying to ensure that we're not missing out on anyone, because of a, you know, a traditional sort of recruitment process and and what people might think we want to see rather than what's actually out there. I mean, I can
1: see the advantage of getting somebody who's been in Who's, who's adapted to the workplace already yeah. and not fresh out of college. But do you think there are any difficulties with people that have come from different backgrounds or are older than their peers?
0: I think that the pace of life here can sometimes be difficult if you're not ready for it or if it's not something that you've been used to. But that's where the maturity comes in and that's where people who have made a conscious decision to, to come into this environment at a more mature age They know what they're getting themselves into. And so it's as much for them to make that decision and choose us as it is for us to choose them. So I would encourage people as well. We have, obviously, we have vacation schemes or graduate programs. And, you know, you don't have to come in and just apply directly for a training contract. If you want to get a taste of what it's going to be like, then you should be applying for those schemes. And last year, we did have a more mature candidate on our summer vacation scheme. And she was a career changer. And she mucked in. And yeah, the rest of the students on the scheme were you know, in their 20s. Um, but she wanted to see if she was going to like this environment as much as she had her previous roles, and she did. And we've made her an offer, and she'll be starting in a couple of years' time. So I think it's all about them knowing what they want and what they're in for. And if that means they want to have a taster and they want to come for a VAC scheme, then that's really important. But equally, if if they're ready for that and they don't feel they need that, then they've got the experience, they can apply as well. Maybe it's something I'll consider (laughs) there. Thank you very much. And yeah, please
1: consider it. (laughs) Career Changes was presented by me, Emma Jacobs, and the producer was Eva Krisyak. Many thanks for listening. Until next time, goodbye.